Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Hello, happy Saturday, and welcome into Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, and this is the best of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network heading into the final game of the regular season. It's the Chiefs and Broncos later today at 3.30 p.m. We'll start with out of structure on this show as Ron and Matt figure out what happened against the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll continue with the editor's show around the 10-minute mark, myself and John Dixon and our marinated takeaways from the game. We'll take a quick break, then head across the pond to the Great British Chiefs show as they take their first look at the Denver Broncos and talk playoff scenarios. We'll continue on with show and BK and their discussion on having to live with the Steve Spagnolo defense. That's around the 37 minute mark. And we'll finish up with the Arrowhead Pride interview series myself talking with nine newses, Mike Kliss in Denver about this big game coming up later today. But we'll start, as we said, with out of structure. This is Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. Should we be terrified of our inability? This is from Jason Brown on Twitter. Should we be terrified of our inability to stop an elite quarterback wide receiver duo? We have no speedy cornerbacks. Now, that's not true. I think LeJarius Sneed is, is the definition of a speedy cornerback. But um, you're right. I, I do think this team has gotten very lucky with not having to play necessarily a, you know, a, a receiver tree or receiver group fully healthy with their quarterback. We missed out on Rodgers with Adams. And then, you know, Dak Prescott comes into Arrowhead, but he doesn't have Amari Cooper for that game. And so you're seeing that. This this kind of shows you that this cor- this cornerback group is a, is very very volatile and Spags cannot trust them the entire way to just just win every matchup right you have to give them more help you you can't just put them in these bad positions that's no longer on the cornerbacks in my opinion that's on Spags for trusting them when they've already getting, gotten torched all game and I know not everything was on them you know the two long touchdowns of Jamar Chase earlier in the game. We're actually more on uh, on other guys, including uh, Dan Sorensen on that second one, which we'll talk about a little later. But yeah, I'm I was not cool with with how Spagnolo decided to um, guard Chase. Another question: Why doesn't Spagnolo make scheme changes during the game? This is from Brett Grunart. Why di- didn't he give Ward help covering Chase? Yeah, these are all great questions, guys. I don't have the answer to them because I would not have done that. Stags, is is there anything you're seeing from that where? Do you do you like Spags' ability to trust the corners, or are you kind of thinking, you know, he kind of trusted them a little too much? Yeah, I mean, I think that's obvious at this point, right? Is is these corners when this team is playing good football, it's complimentary football. It is good pressure up front. You've got your linebackers, uh, the the right linebackers on the field, and them playing well, and then you've got the the um, secondary able to make plays and make big plays because there's pressure up front. So so to that end. In a game like this, they there was something missing, right? There, there was they weren't trusting that they would get enough pressure, uh, so they were blitzing more and leaving these guys on an island too much, and then just the inexplicable, you know, decisions to to have Dan Sorensen, uh, you know, on the field in certain situations, or um, you know, some of the matchups just obviously didn't make a lot of sense. What struck me about the Jamar Chase adjustment or the the lack of adjustment. In, in playing against a guy like Jamar Chase is the Bengals saw an opportunity with him and against this Chiefs defense, and they went back to him over and over and over again. And they see a weakness on the Chiefs defense. They see an opportunity. They see a guy who's hot, and they just feed him over and over again, pounding the defensive weakness into the ground. And it always seems, for years and years and years, it always seems as a Chiefs fan, and that's where maybe a lot of these – the first uh, slew of questions we got, um, like from Chiefly Bacon, why is life pain? Uh, Steve and PV, why? Derek A, why? Um, <laughs> these types of questions. I think one of the things that makes it painful to be the, to be a Chiefs fan is the fact that other teams, championship teams, great quarterbacks seem to find a weakness in the defense and hammer it. It just just make you make you regret it until you make an adjustment. And if you never adjust, they're going to destroy you 
with that weakness. The Chiefs have been on the receiving end of that hammer, but they've never been on the the hammer side of that. The Chiefs offense, and to some extent the Chiefs defense, seems to call what they call, do what they do, and not exploit matchups, not go after the other team's weakness, and not make them regret you know, putting putting guys in bad positions. Uh, and and you never see the Chiefs get a hot receiver and just continually throw to that guy, throw to that guy. They're always spreading it around. They've always got, you know, sort of these scripted plays uh, drawn up the way that they do it. And so that's that's one of the things that I think makes it really frustrating to be a Chiefs fan, especially on a day like this where the Bengals obviously saw something they could exploit in Jamar Chase and the matchups there, and they just throw it up to him over and over and over again until they stop it, and the Chiefs just frankly never did. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point, Stag. I do think you, Andy Reid has always just been a guy that, hey, I'm going to run my offense. I don't really care necessarily. Now, we, we've seen different game plans depending on, you know, big games, right? You know, he maybe tries to avoid certain players, but at, at the same time, most of the time, he just runs his stuff and doesn't really worry about what the defense is presenting in terms of where he can create mismatches. And I'm trying to – I know Peyton Manning was was – would love to do this against the Chiefs. Like Stags, help me. I cannot remember what the cornerbacks, and you might not remember it either. But the cornerback's name that was opposite Marcus Peters in 2015. Talk about Orlando Skandrick, aren't you? No, 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 no. Before that, um, he was number 30. Oh man, it, it was. I just remember that it was a Thursday night game. Marcus Peters had the pick six early, but then Peyton just picked on this guy over and over, uh, and, and then actually he gave up the game when he touched onto Emmanuel Sanders. Or the game yeah, time, but it, it's time. happened though. It's been, it's been, right. uh, you know, was it Marcus Cooper? There, yes, was yeah, and he's another, he's another good example. Yeah, Dan Sorensen, obviously, this year, all season long. Uh, you know, you, there's certain players that other offenses seem to target and, and exploit on a regular basis. And you mentioned Andy Reid sometimes will seem to game plan away from another team's strength, which I think is true, but you don't see him pick a weakness. And, and uh, on the other team and just destroy them with it the, the way other teams do. And yeah, it's Tom Brady's done it. Peyton Manning's done it. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers probably has done it. And I mean, it's, it's really, you know, the, the top quarterbacks and, and, you know, Joe Burrow is trying to enter that conversation now. Uh, but great quarterbacks seem to seem to find that matchup they like. And, and just, again, if you don't stop it, we're going to keep doing it. Yeah, it was Jamal Fleming, by the way. I just looked it up. Had to know. Um, remember that name? Yeah, he he was a uh, Peyton was getting pick, picking on him pretty good. But no, I, I and and I and I want to go to your point about how great quarterbacks do this, right? They go back to their guy. They 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 they're not they don't overthink it, right? And I think that's credit to Burrow. Well, that's the thing, man. This week in press conferences, Spags compared Burrow to a young Brady. Now, are you doing that to Tom Brady? Are you blitzing Tom Brady on third and twenty-seven? Absolutely not. Um, I don't think so. At least maybe Spag, maybe, maybe Spags does. So that's the thing. Spags is just so aggressive. That's kind of his nature, but I just, I just think I, I wish they would have given Burrow a little more respect. And then also I, I thought it was funny. You saw Joe Burrow in his postgame pref- press conference admit that at some point he was pretty much just saying F it Jamar's down there somewhere. And that's what he was doing. Right. And that's just, I think that's an indictment on how Spags was strategizing. I think for the fact that Burrow to realize, Oh, Hey, I can just throw it up. Uh, I think that's on Spags. Um, I, we, we went along on my second point. My third point was just that the offense only scored three points in the second half. Um, but, but th- we'll get more into that as we go, but Stags, I want to make sure we get to your three points. What were your three big takeaways from the game? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess on your point on the offense, I mean, I think there's, that was a part of the frustration on the flow of this game is the first half, the offense was answering. So they, they struck first, uh, they came back and, and got, a, got the big lead, but then each time, the Bengals would score, it seemed like the Chiefs offense would come right back and answer, come right back and answer. And you felt like this was going to be a shootout, but it was going to be one that the Chiefs were, were right in. And then uh, something happened in the second half. They didn't get a lot of possessions, obviously. Um, uh, what was it? They only had three possessions in the second half. Yeah. And so the opportunities weren't there as much, but they also just didn't seem to answer in the same way. It was like a, a boxing match with a counterpunch. I, uh, the Chiefs had the counterpunch in the first half, and they were the aggressor. In the second half, uh, they were sort of neither. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, wanted to remind you here, you're probably wondering, but Pete and John, where is that Andy Reid roundup? Well, there is no Andy Reid roundup. He didn't speak on Monday 
The original Andy Reid press conference, the weekly Andy Reid presser, will begin on Tuesday afternoon. So if you're looking to see what Andy Reid said, uh, he hasn't said it yet. When he does, it'll be on these podcast waves on from the podium. So if you're looking for, okay, let's hear an Andy Reid's initial comments after this terrible loss uh, in the week. We will hear them a little bit later from the podium. All right, let's get into these marinated takeaways. 34 to 31 field goal kills Kansas City's uh, control of the AFC. John, let's get into your first marinated takeaway first from this game. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really frustrated by the conversation about the officiating yeah. uh, in this game. I mean, I get it. I understand uh, from our perspective, it looked like uh, the officials were really biased towards the Bengals. But it's been my experience, again, over a long time of doing this, that fans for every team think that the officials are out to get them. I mean, yeah. it's not its not just something that happens exclusively to the Chiefs. I've observed this in all kinds of fan bases. And, um, and after a while, you just, you know, this is why I'm one of the guys who says, look, you just gotta, you just gotta go out there and get past it. You know, if the, if the, if, if calls don't go your way, you have to get past it. And I'm a little frustrated that, um, that so much of the discussion has been about the NFL rigging games and, you know, about how it's all, it's all an evil conspiracy or whatever. It kind of makes me crazy. I'll just be honest. It just kind of makes me crazy. And I'm disappointed that so many people have bought into this narrative for which there's really no specific evidence. I mean, it's not enough to just say, well, I saw that game. They were clearly biased against the, the, the Chiefs. Yeah. You know, any fan could say that about any yeah, game. Yeah. There were Bengals fans who were saying that, that they could bring up they could bring up points about uh, that ah. calls didn't go their way, you know. It's just not enough evidence for me to say that this is all this is all a big sham, and it bugs uh, me. I have a couple points about this, and and this I think leads me into my my first marinated takeaway. So I agree with you. I I I'm not officiating guy, and I'm not someone that's going to say to you like, okay, let's go to the tape and go play by play of how the Chiefs were screwed. Yeah, not my yeah. not my game. What's different about this one was Andy Reid's words after the game. You know, we talked yes. about Andy Reid on Monday and yeah. him saying, I want to talk about each penalty, but I don't want to get fined. That's Andy mm-hmm. Reid saying we we were screwed in this game. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when you really, really, really look at the plays that uh, especially in key spots where, OK, the defense sure. can get off the field and. You have the Zane Anderson hold and the idea that there's replacement official like and the it, and then, you, you know, yeah. you make you make a key decision at the end of the game where it's we're not going to let them score. Which I don't agree with. I'll be honest. But that's the decision they made. They stop them. And then you mm-hmm. call like a ticky tacky face mm-hmm. mask at the side. Yeah. More than the Chiefs getting screwed, I just don't like when officials are this involved in the game. You should barely Fair. notice the, the mm-hmm. officials. Yeah. And I, I think that was big. Now, I, I agree with you in the sense that the the, the idea that and the, the tinfoil hat theory, by the way, mm-hmm. Potato thanked us, so you're welcome, Potato. The tinfoil hat theory that <laughs> the Chiefs are getting screwed, and it's like, Come on, guys. Let's take a look at the numbers that the Chiefs mm. get when it comes to ratings. That's why the Chiefs are on the purple season finale graphic of starting the weekend off because they, even though they're playing the lowly Broncos, starting lowly ass, excuse my expression, Drew Locke, Patrick Mahomes is playing. This mm-hmm. is a league that, if anything, wants Patrick Mahomes and probably Tom Brady back in the Super Bowl, if not maybe Aaron Rodgers, right? The, that's the, that is the sexiest matchup here. It's Patrick Mahomes once again playing in the Super Bowl, and that's what the league wants. If anything, they'd be screwing it in the other direction. If anything, the league is calling this referee and saying, what did you do in this game? You spoiled the ending for us because Patrick Mahomes probably should have gotten the football back to have a chance at this thing and and it didn't work out now this leads me into my other marinated takeaway chiefs fans in my opinion and you're entitled to your opinion i'm not telling you what to think but chiefs fans in my opinion if anything should be less putting their energy into the officiating and more putting in their energy into the third and 27 play 
mm-hmm. in which Steve Spagnolo against a quarterback who was well known in his second year to be so good, if not among the best in the league, again, at this young age of reading the right after the post-snap and what's happening in the play. He's very good pre-snap. He's very good post-snap. Okay, there are seven or eight Chiefs coming at me. They're deciding to blitz me on third and 27. Oh, wait, the wide receiver that has already gotten 200 yards today Mm -hmm. is one-on-one against the guy he has torched all day. I'm going to throw it right to him. And guess what? He was in the zone. They both were. And he made the completion and the drive continued and the chiefs defense and their decision-making allowed the officiating to make these questionable calls. That was it. That was your chance mm-hmm. to get Patrick Mahomes yeah. on the field. So regardless of everything that happened, and I, I don't necessarily disagree that the calls were questionable. You still had the opportunity in a, right. in a plus spot to mm-hmm. get back on the field and win the game. And, and, and you have Harrison, this isn't an Elliot Fry situation, right? You have right. Harrison right. Butker's back. You don't even this is a tie right. game. You don't even need to get a touchdown. You just got to get to the 30 and you let up a third and 27. I, if you want to blame the officiating again, your call, you can do whatever you want. Right. You got to get off the field there. You have to get off the field there. And you got to not blitz. Go with four. It's been in a relentless defensive line with four. Mm-hmm. Play the line. Make the decision tough. Even if it's, let's say, okay, let's say you give up 20 yards on that play. Now it's fourth and seven. What, what's Zach mm-hmm. Taylor going to do? Does he really have the, the onions to go for it again? I, like to me, no, I, I don't think that so. should be where I think the majority of the energy is. And, and I, and I, you know, I look, I look toward, toward Buffalo a, a, a few weeks ago when they lose that three pass game to Mac Jones and they get up at the podium after and Sean McDermott is like, oh, this isn't a Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick just embarrassed you, dude. And the, the <laughs> defenders start arguing, arguing with the reporters about whether or not they were embarrassed. Like, you lost. You lost the game. Just like to me, th- that's what I, 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 I think the energy should be is like, look, the official sucked. No doubt about it. Right. The Chiefs lost, still lost the game. Right. I, right. I, you know, it's never going to if you if you're if you go into a game and, and thinking, OK, the officials control this that, to me, that's just like a lame way to go about it. Right. What about the offense on their two possessions having to punt and after, mm-hmm. you know, having four touchdowns? Um what about 266 yards setting the rookie receiver record in a single yeah. game that, you know, and granted, and, and I, another marinated take, I'm, I'm firing off right now. Trevor's word played pretty well. <laughs> yeah, he, he did. Was, he was for, for the most part, blanketing um, Jamar chase. And unfortunately chase was just in the zone, which, which makes the lack of help that Spagnuolo provide. I like Steve Spagnuolo the third and 27 and just the lack of help and just identifying, okay, this guy's killing us. Like you remember that game, this was against the Bucks last year where Tyree kill just absolutely torched the mm-hmm. opposing defender. Yeah. I'm forgetting his name in the, in the first quarter. What the did the Bucks do? Game. Yeah. Yeah. What did the, yeah, the backflip game. What did the Bucks do? They, they curbed it. They were like, okay, we're not going to let this guy just continue to do this. Mm-hmm. There was none of that on Sunday. Yeah. No adjustment. Mm-hmm. That's that should be that if I'm a Chiefs fan, like that's that's what's making me more angry. It is the idea that we did not adjust to a guy that was killing us. You can't control the officials. You can control that. And that to me, I, I, sorry, not to get too fired up here, but I think that's where um, that's where like thinking about the game even a few days later. That's what that's what's the most maddening about the loss to me. Well, I, I'm just like, yeah, I'm sure I, I'm sure I, I made usually some rant, mad. but I know that that was a little ranty, but I just think that it's deserved there. I, to, I'm, I'm yeah. upset about having to talk about the officials, too, as well. You know, anyway, I'm sorry. Go to, you can go. I'm, sh- I'm sure I made some people mad by making it sound like that the, the officiating wasn't terrible and the officiating didn't damage the Chiefs. It was bad. It did damage the Chiefs. Right. But, you know, if you're talking about humans here. Okay, just like you're talking about a human right, defensive right. coordinator who makes a terrible decision right. <laughs> on third and 27, officials are going to make terrible decisions too. And right. there's there's just no way around this. I mean, you, you can talk all you want to about, you know, bringing in electronic aids and stuff and spotting the ball and that kind of thing. But still, a human 
is going to have to decide whether a guy caught the ball and made a football move, whether he really had his hands up in the face of another guy to give the example of the goal line play. These are all judgment calls. They're all going to have to be decided by a human. There's right. no way to get this element out of the game. And yes, there are going to be games when more of those calls go against you than for you, just like there are going to be games when more of them go for you than against you. And, you know, you can't just ignore it when it happens to the other team and be angry about it when it happens to your team. These things even out. It's terrible right. when it happens in a game that's got so many ramifications to it. I completely agree with those who said, why are you throwing a ticky-tack flag after the Chiefs have just held them on four straight plays inside the two-yard line? I agree. I think that is the absolute wrong place to throw that flag. But, you know, this is the this is what happens. Right. This is part of having the humans doing the officiating, and there's no way around that. And and I agree. Let's 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 focus our discussion and our anger and our angst towards the things that we can actually control. And officiating is just not one of them. Now, I, I now do we're both say this, ranting so, now. Yeah, we're, <laughs> let's, let's stop. Let's stop that. Um, <laughs> shout out to Steve. Steve just fed me this name. The, the receiver, I'm sorry, yeah. the defender that Tyreek Hill was torching was Carlton Davis, and it was a yeah. disaster. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. All right, we are finally officially done talking about the Bengals. We'll continue on with the great British Chiefs show as they take their first look at the Denver Broncos. This is Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. I'm looking forward to watching Drew Locke play. I'm not going to lie. He's really? Yeah, it's, I find him quite likable as a person. Yeah, yeah do, he's likable, yeah. I do. I find him quite likable. And I, he's one of these guys, you know, when some people are just nice and you want them to succeed in life. That, that, <laughs> yeah. That's that's how I feel about Drew Locke, but I don't want him to succeed at the Broncos. So it'd be nice if he has a good game this week and plays well and then potentially signs with the team and gets a gig elsewhere. That that would be cool. But um, at the same time, I don't want him to have the sort of game that ruins the Chiefs' chances of securing the second or first seed. So, yeah, um, yeah Drew... I don't think Drew Luck is a one to watch in terms of he can change his game because he can't. He's not good enough. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, I'm quite looking forward just to watching that happy guy play. <laughs> it's such a such a bad reason to enjoy anyone. But yeah, I just I just think he I just think he's a likable person. <laughs> Look at that quarterback. He's got a smile on his face. I'm yeah. gonna watch him. Oh, well, one of my favorite players ever was Heinz Ward. Uh, the receiver for the Steelers, yeah, because he always played yeah. with a smile on his face. It, was, it didn't matter. If, it didn't matter if he was getting punched in the mouth. He just always got a smile. Like he must, yeah. like people, like his brothers and stuff like that, and his classmates must have thought he had the most slappable face in the world because he's just always <laughs> smiling. But for me, I, I like people that smile. Some people say you can't trust people that smile all the time. Not me. I'm I'm a happy guy. Heinz Ward, keep smiling. Good luck. Keep smiling. Keep smiling, Drew Luck. Uh, what about the Chiefs? Ah, Charverius Ward. <laughs> has to be Charverius Ward. Because <laughs> what happened on Sunday? He's he gonna had, want he's gonna want to prove himself, hasn't he? Yeah, for sure. He's had such a good season. Um, like as like let's be honest, up until Sunday, we were all singing his praises, and then on Sunday yeah. he, just, he just got done. He had a bad week. Let's see how he responds. Let's see if Drew Lock targets him, shall we? Yeah, I tell you what, if Drew Lock come, if Drew Lock and Cortland Sutton come out and put two sixty yards and three touchdowns on Chavarius Ward, then we have got a problem going. Into We've the got issues. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to go with Derek Gore. Okay. Because I think it's going to get to the point where the Chiefs starters are going to come off at halftime. Um, we're going to get the backups on, and I think Derek Gore is going to have a bit, have himself a bit of a game. Okay. So, and 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 I like what I've seen from him. He's done done some lovely breakout runs recently. Yeah. Um, and we we said this in the previous podcast about it, it, the the kind of diversity that we've got in that running back stable at the minute. And um, you know, I like what we've seen with Daryl Williams, but also Derek Gore really, really yeah. is. He lights it up when he gets his chance, and uh, I like watching him. So yeah, it's we'll going to be interesting that. to see how the Chiefs handle some contracts this uh, this offseason because Daryl uh, Williams probably deserves a renewal. Derek Gore yeah. will probably deserve something as well. And then Clyde, they've still got a couple of years left on Clyde, but the conversations will probably start this offseason. So it'd be interesting to see how, hand, how they handle it. But yeah, I agree. I like Derek Gore. He only had the one drive on Sunday and he made that count. I think Daryl Williams yeah. had like 80 to 90% of the snaps on Sunday. It was a heavy Daryl Williams game, but Derek Gore, whenever he plays, he seems to make things happen. And yeah, yeah I, I agree. If the Chiefs are in a favourable position on sun, on Saturday, then we could, we could see Chad Henney and Derek Gore come in and yeah. let, them, let them wreak havoc on the Broncos defence. Henney given Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we'll do with quick predictions, but then we'll we'll actually do the uh, the other main chat that we're going to talk about, which is going to be the playoff picture. But quick predictions. I've gone for the Chiefs 34, Broncos 10. Okay, I don't think the Chiefs score that many points against Vic Vangio's defence. I think they've struggled okay. too much in the past. I, I, I'm I going to go 27-10 um, okay. in, in favour of Drew Lock. No, in favour of the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Lock will be happy with 10 points, won't he? Yeah, he will be. As long as he's happy, I'm happy. Yeah, 27-10. Uh, <laughs> Case 27 10 right okay then right let's look briefly well not say briefly we're going to talk about it quite in depth in this but the uh obviously with everything that happened with the previous game against the bengals it opens up this playoff picture again and uh it's widened this uh this margin shall we say that uh we've now got clearly four teams going for the one seed and i think a lot of chiefs kingdom has kind of fessed up to the fact that we might not get the one seed because the Titans are playing the Texans. Derek Henry's coming back. It sounds like it's going to be a dub for them. I mean, although the Texans did beat them previously, but I think didn't the team have a lot of COVID or something back then or something. So it might not have been a fair reflection on how the Titans were playing that game, but there is a little bit of glimmer of hope there. Yeah, But course. with the Chiefs um, now seemingly looking at maybe getting the, two, three, or four seed. It's going to be um, the two. I don't even think we need to run through the scenarios of the third and the fourth seed because it's just... Oh, no, we're happen. just going to go with the second seed. The, yeah. the, the, the Chiefs, I, I fully expect the Tennessee to beat the Texans and I fully expect the Chiefs to beat the Denver Broncos. And if uh, both of those results happen, the Chiefs are a minimum, uh, will, will, will be the second seed. So we need to go from there, really. Like, who, who, yeah. Out of the possible teams, there's four possible teams we could play. The, the Steelers, the Raiders the Chargers and the Colts. Um, obviously, the Steelers is a minuscule chance of us playing getting the Steelers. But the big ones at the moment, it looks like percentage-wise, it's, it's going to be the Chargers. If, we, if, if results go the way they should and the Chargers beat the Raiders and the Colts beat the Jags, it's going to be the LA Chargers coming into Arrowhead next weekend. I don't like that. And I'll say why I don't like that is because the last time we played the Chargers, and yes, I know we won and we beat them. I see too much in the Chargers that can really kind of affect this Chiefs team. And I really, really, I actually fear the Chargers probably more out of the rest of those teams that are on that list. And it's crazy to think that you've got, if you're getting the, if you're getting the, the two seed and you're playing somebody like the Chargers, that doesn't sound fair to me. Um, especially what we've had recently where we've had the one and the two seed always that used to get the bye. Yeah. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, you've got this this monster matchup between Herbert and Mahomes, yeah. Chiefs and Chargers, you know, and anything can happen. And we've seen that in this season as well. You know, the Chiefs lost to the Chargers. They won against the Chargers. That's the, that's the fearful thing for me. I think if we, if we manage to sidestep the Chargers, we've got a much better run at the Super Bowl. But for me, the Chargers are definitely... They're, they're, they're almost the Chiefs killer at the minute, the way they've been built up. 
Yeah, Dan Roger Goodell adding that seventh seed into the playoff picture is another reason to, to to dislike it because if it was the old way, the Chiefs would have a bye once again, just like we did in yeah. 2019. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers and all that lot. Um, yeah, I agree with you. The Chargers are the team I want to avoid. Like, I was yeah. kind of scared of the Colts a little bit. Like, not like not petrified, just wary of them. But then they yeah. went and lost to the Raiders. And it's just like, you lose to the Raiders, you kind of lose a little bit of respect in my eyes. And I, this isn't to say that the Chargers are going to beat the Raiders because they might not. The Raiders might win. But if I had to pick any of the three teams, because let's really let's exclude the Steelers because that's not going to happen. Uh, let's exclude the Steelers. Um, I probably want the Chiefs to face the Raiders because yes, we, we just know what Derek Carr in our head is. At this point, that's exactly it. it. It's it's we know we know the team that we're facing, and we know how they tick and how they don't tick at yeah. Arrowhead. Yeah, um, I I, th- I I agree with you. The Raiders, for me, uh, yeah, they've picked up a little bit in recent weeks, but I I I honestly think that Andy Reid's got the Raiders number, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it that. They're the ones that I would really, really like to face the most. But I would, I really wouldn't mind facing the Colts. Like you said, Ed, before, I, I think the Colts looked a little bit deadly, you know, midway through the season, I suppose. Um, but yeah, for now, I think, uh, I think the Colts, Colts are, are going to be struggling a little bit. But yeah, I we have to remember as well because for us sitting here going, oh, we don't want this team, we don't want this team, blah, blah, blah. You know that all three of those teams are sitting there saying, we do not want to go to our head as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. They are probably more scared of us than we are of them. We just got this wariness about the charges because of how aggressive they are and how are they like they are kind of like the anti-chiefs in terms of aggressiveness. So I understand why we would feel like that. And obviously Justin Herbert has a winning record in our head. He's played there twice and won there twice. Hard to count last year's um, week seventeen game, but he got the dub there. Yeah. Chances of him getting three in a row, yeah, potential. I, I don't think the Chiefs match up particularly well, particularly well against the Chargers at all times. I don't think the two coaches match up particularly well because of their different philosophies. Um, like I said a minute ago, they are kind of like the anti-Chiefs. But at the same time, if they do come into our head, I'm I'm not scared. I'm just a bit wary. I just, I don't, More nervous. I don't, what I don't like is I don't like the fact that things got significantly harder. That's mm. what I don't like. And this stems from the frustration from Sunday. The Chiefs mm. were looking at an avenue where they might have had to play, I don't know, the Patriots and then the, the Patriots and then the tight away to the Titans or home to the Bengals or something like that. They, yeah. they would have had to have two games at Arrowhead. Now this just made it so much harder for themselves. Now they're in a position where they're going to have to win three games in the AFC playoffs, probably more than likely against two teams that they've already lost to this season as well. Mm-hmm. And so I that's, that's where my frustration lies. Yes, the Chiefs can get to the Super Bowl. They absolutely can get to the Super Bowl. There's a reason why they're still the AFC favourites. Mm-hmm. But I just don't, I feel like it's going to be like one hell of a roller coaster for us to get there. And put your pacemakers in because it's going to be one hell of a ride. <laughs> <laughs> Just going back to the one seed showdown, something in there that I want to throw in that um, another conspiracy could, could crop up here and it seems we're on a conspiracy show. But if the, any, by any chance that the Patriots get the one seed, the fix is in, you heard it here first, right? <laughs> <laughs> As you want, one scenario we didn't talk lose, about. The Titans lose and everybody else lose and the Patriots <laughs> get the one seat. You know the fix is in, right? <laughs> one thing we didn't talk about, and we should probably talk about quickly before we go, is the scenario going around that if the Indianapolis Colts lose to the Jags. And oh, yeah. <laughs> if that happens and the LA Chargers and Las Vegas Raiders draw or tie in American terms on, yeah. Saturday, on Sunday night, then the Chargers and the Raiders both make the playoffs at the Colts' expense. And if the Colts do lose, do you expect both teams to take knees throughout? It's funny because I saw uh, Ian Rappaport saying this. 
Yeah. And they were all talking about this this morning that, um, you know, oh, they're all just going to take knees. It's going to be a game of people, you know, all the quarterbacks taking knees. Yeah. And he says, ah, he says, I don't trust the, the fact that the Raiders might just go, yeah, let's do that. And then on the last play, they'll throw a touchdown and go, yeah, go on, get out, you lot. We do. I we've done your over, you know. I think there'll, there'll still be a competitive element because I don't think either team will trust each other just to take knees all the way throughout the game. Yeah, but you've you've seen it in other sports though. Like you've seen, oh. like you played in World Cups and Champions League and stuff like in group. They just play for a draw. Yeah? When a draw sends both teams through, and teams go out on the field and they play the most passive game of football ever. Like they never overcommit anyone. Yes, yeah. they, they, they try and score goals by trying to score goals. They shoot from 45 yards or whatever. Like there's no, there's, there's no actual attempts on goal. We've, we've seen it in other sports and I fully expect the Chargers and the Raiders to go through with it. If that situation yeah. arises, because think about it, you're guaranteeing yourself a playoff spot. And mm-hmm. you're effectively giving your players a week off at the same time. Yeah. Like all of those hits that they're not getting because they're taking knees. I just think for me, it would be perfect. It, I honestly, I have never wanted something to happen that doesn't involve <laughs> the Chiefs so much. You just want the world to burn you, man. That's because what you want. I just want it to be a big F you to the NFL and say, this is what happens because you introduced the seventh team into both playoff pitches, because you introduced yeah. the extra two teams, this is the result of it. This is the consequence. This wasn't possible in a six-team playoff, but no, you got greedy and introduced the seventh team. You took away the second team's bye so you could shoehorn another team in. I would love it. Honestly, it would be the best. I would get up. If, if the Colts lose on Sunday... I am setting an alarm and getting up at 1.30 in the morning to watch that, that Raiders-Chargers game. because That's I, exactly what the NFL wants you to do. <laughs> yeah, but... but they then, want you to watch. Boost yeah, the but figures. everyone would watch, but also everyone will be laughing at the NFL. Like, it yeah. would just be such a, like, a joke. And like they, it will be broadcasted everywhere, in every country, on every TV news channel. It would just be broadcasted everywhere because... You wouldn't just, it would just be the most unfathomable things putting 70,000 people into a stadium to watch Derek Carr and Justin Herbert take knees. Actually, F it. Don't even put Derek Carr in. Put Marcus Mariota back there and make him take knees <laughs> on the game. I, 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 I really, really, really hope. hope put the groundsman in. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I just want it to happen. Like Brandon Staley and whoever the, the replacement coach is for the, the, the uh, Raiders at the moment, get together. Make it happen. But first and foremost, we need Trevor Lawrence to have a game against the Indianapolis Colts and let them beat them. Oh, oh it would it would make it, it would make my season if it happened. I've been saying this right here on this great podcast that Steve Spagnola is starting to get a little too damn comfortable with his uh with his football son. Uh, Dan has, has kind of come back and we were happy with the role of Dan Sorensen. He was starting to play like that little linebacker role and in coverage and, you know, in coverage around the, the line of scrimmage and blitzing. He was playing that role and he's getting pick sixes and he's coming up with stupid touchdown dances that Travis Kelsey, I believe was making fun of him, not laughing with him, uh, <laughs> on that celebration. And, and he's doing things and like, you knew it like, Oh, there you go, Steve. I told you guys. I told you. Remember the Chiefs and Steve was getting real cocky with it. Yeah, everybody had gave up on Dan. And then he Did started you hear playing. the Andy Reid comment a few weeks back? I don't remember yes. when this was specifically, but he was like, I know a lot of you in this room wanted to see Dan cuss. Yes. You never hear Andy say anything like that. Yeah. Like he he tries to be as uninteresting as possible in the press conferences. He slipped. He couldn't help himself. He's like, You guys all wanted to see Dan cut, huh? Well, look at him now. I pulled over on the side of the road, and I on the I was listening to it, and I gave an up up your sign right to Andy when he said it. Started the car back up and rolled rolled back on on down the street. Like I remember, he said that, and I'm just like, oh, they're getting cocky with Dan. Then maybe maybe people just started getting loose and start getting loose on what Spags was doing with Dan. And next thing you know, somehow we keep seeing Jamar Chase by himself with 49 and now we're starting to see oh let's play too deep coverage who's the other guy back there who's Rashad Fenton handing off Jamar Chase to four nine stop 
And I'm glad we got to see it before he allowed this to happen in the playoffs. Because if he if he had another game against the Bengals, oh God, he may have just played Dan back there by himself. He may have started putting Dan in coverage again against tight ends. He may have started doing crazy stuff. Remember Dawson Knox and all that crap? He may have started doing that again. Now that we got to see it again, now you can rein his ass back in. Say, hey, hey, hey. Front seven, that's Dan. Front seven, that's Dan. Matthew, Juan Thornhill in the back. Don't need to see Dan back here anymore. So that was a blessing in disguise that it happened in week 17 and not the first round of the playoffs for the Chiefs. And Dan's out here getting burnt because we forgot and thought, oh, Dan's reached it now. He's reached it now to be in the back half of the secondary. Are you specifically referencing the play where Joe Burrow threw it like 30 yards in the air and beat Dan like straight down the sideline where Dan was streaking down trying to find where where's where's Chase? Where's that yep. guy? Yeah, that that one. Yep. Kind of, 10 yards away from from the receiver. Yep. Kind of, kind and, it was, and it, it was no confusion. He knew who he had. He just could not do anything with him. And that's the scary part. I that's that's the thing that I'm concerned about, Ron. So Darius Butler, who formerly played in the NFL as a cornerback, he posted on Twitter a breakdown of that exact play. And I was like, oh, he's gonna roast Dan. I can't wait to see what he has to say here. It was the opposite. He said the issue was actually Rashad Fenton. And Fenton played the wrong coverage on that play, and it left Dan out to dry. And so my concern, Ron, is that the guy that's going to be punished from that play, because I'm with you, Dan should not be playing on defense. He shouldn't be a guy that is in those spots ever, ever in those situations. That part of the defense, we found a spot for him. That wasn't it we found out. 100%. However, my concern from that specific play is that the lesson they will learn is not that Dan Sorensen can't play defense at that spot. My concern is that they're going to say, you know what, Rashad Fenton, you ran the wrong coverage here and you left our guy Dan out to dry. Rashad, you're the one that's going to be punished as a result of that play. I hope I'm wrong on this. I fear that I'm not. I fear you're going to see every bit as much, if not more, of Dan Sorensen this week and next week than you saw last week because they don't view him as being the problem, especially on that play that you're referencing, even though it looked obviously incredibly ugly. It's a, it's a very fair assessment because Papa Spags, Dan's football daddy, is going to find any reason not to believe that it is the prodigal son for him. And and I'm with you. I, like, I, like, I hope not. I hope Andy said out there, because Andy, I believe, got to him once before. And said, hey, man, cut this. Can't do this no more, man. Can't do it. Then he got cocky and went to the podium again, got cocky when Dan was playing in the right positions. Dan should be in a place where he is in somebody's zone and he doesn't have a particular person at all to cover, and he should be within seven yards of the line of scrimmage. That's where he should be. That's where he does his dirty work. That's when he becomes dirty Dan. When you put him out there, when you put him in the secondary, when Jamar Chase is also running across the field and he doesn't have a chance in hell to catch him, to touch him. Okay, he could have he could have been there. There should have been there a resistance on the 72-yard the touchdown run, but Dan couldn't couldn't catch him if he got on his knees and prayed. Right then and there in the, in the on the field, he couldn't have touched him. He couldn't have touched him if he had Expector Gadget arms on him. He was never going to get there, ever, ever. And it's, I was it's, wondering which reference you were going to go with there. I, and it, I respect it, the choice. It was a good one. It was a good and decision. It, and it, and it's, it, it's, never, it's never there. It's not available for him. And I'm hoping they got the understanding learned because they just got too damn comfortable with him. They got too comfortable with Dan just making plays, and then they thought he could keep, keep making plays. It's like – when you get comfortable with Reggie Ragland, Reggie Ragland's made a couple of plays. Oh, he's a blitzer. First, second down. Reggie Ragland is not to be in coverage on guys coming out of the backfield. And then you lose it. You get too comfortable. I'm just hoping they saw that and somebody with their other eyes, because Spags can't do it. He's too close. Someone with other eyes can jump back in and say, hey, let's reel it back in. Put him in the first Denver game. Put that tape in. Look at that, Dan. Look at that, Dan. Look at what he did in that game. That's the kind of Dan we need. That's it. See, see, Ron, I, I'm going to compare myself to Dan Sorensen in this situation. Oh, hell. So 
earlier so last summer uh my radio station decided to do a home run derby right so it was going to be a few of the guys from the station we were going up against another station and it was a home run derby and i told all the guys like listen i have not hit a baseball since i was like 12 i i had this issue where ron i was i was 12. playing second now nah, it might have been like eight um i was i was playing second yeah i think i was closer to like eight i don't know it's been 20 20 some odd years um i was playing second base had a ground ball come up on me smacked the top of my uh glove went right up on the lip decided then and there i'm not doing this anymore i'm good i don't need to be playing baseball oh you didn't go to a batting cage nothing else you ain't done nothing you're done no no never never again i walked off the field that day and never played baseball ever again so I told all the guys, hey, listen, baseball just not for me. If you need somebody to be out there, I'm happy to come out, have a good time, but don't expect me to be hitting any home runs out here because that's just not going to happen. Well, they they thought they were going to get somebody that was going to be out there helping them with uh, the home run lead, right? I go out there. I did exactly what I expected to do, Ron. I hit zero home runs that day. You know mm-hmm. where we were hitting from? We were hitting from second base. I hit zero home runs over the wall that day. That was my expectation. They expected more on of me. That's on them. They are the coaches in this situation. I'm no longer mad, mad at Dan Sorensen. He knows exactly what he is. We all know exactly what well, he I'm is. not mad at him either. But the coaches continue to put him in spots where he can't succeed, just like my partners at my radio station put me into a spot where I couldn't succeed. I'm Dan Sorensen is what I'm trying to say here. That's a damn shame that you've not picked up a bat and hit a baseball <laughs> in eighth grade that you allowed that little bit of adversity to stop you. Similar to me, and similar, similar to me, that's uh, 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 just ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. Eight, you just quit your baseball career then. Got yeah, did you know. finish the game? Did you at least finish no. the game? Now? No, <laughs> no, I left the field. I was done. I never needed to see another baseball in my life. I love baseball. Can't play it. Wow. Uh, I played one season of it. So the sport sucks. Never going back. <laughs> You know what? You suck, Steve. All right? and, uh, I think you're going too far on it. You just, you just, it's ridiculous. All right. Well, can we at least stay with Spags? Because, like, if we were, if we're ranking uh, reasons why the Chiefs lost that game against the Bengals, I gotta believe Spag ranks right up there. As we just talked about, one of his blunders uh, of just having Dan in vulnerable situations. Another one was. His uh his ability to just say, you know what, F it. We're blitzing, we're sending the house, and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go zero blitz. We're sending everybody, sending all the linebackers. There is no, hey, one guy, some zone blitz, one guy's gonna back off. Nope, we're all coming out here. And he paid for it. But you didn't have that much of a problem with that, did you, BK? So I don't have as much of an issue with it as others do. I appreciated Steve Spagnuolo, first of all, coming out this week and saying he treated that situation as if it was a third and six because he didn't want them to get into field goal range. Now, I can disagree with where he's coming from. I can disagree with the logic, but at least there was some logic there. And that's really what I'm looking for is like, do you at least have a reason as to why you're doing what you're doing? And if there's logic and reason behind it, okay, I can listen to the explanation, even if I disagree with it. The other thing, Ron, is Steve Spagnolo has a very clear identity. He is going to blitz the living hell out of every quarterback he goes up against. I remember when they hired Steve Spagnolo. I was working with Carrington, and we had somebody on. I don't remember specifically who it was, but they said the MO for Steve Spagnolo is this. He's not going to blitz when you think he should, and he's going to blitz when you think he shouldn't. And some people aren't sure if he has a plan as to why he's doing it that way, but he just does it, and it's kind of worked for him in his career. And he learned from Jim Johnson, and he continues to do that today. Ron, this is his identity. This is the Chiefs' defense's identity. They have done this before. This was not the first time where it was third and long, and they went engage eight on Madden, all-out blitz. And it's worked most of the time this year for him. They didn't get home, and it didn't work for him against Cincinnati, and sometimes you just get beat. I wouldn't have done it. I would have gone cover four, get your asses back. We just can't give up the first down here and play for the three points, and let's get Mahomes out there with a chance to win the game with the ball in his hands as as the clock expires. That's how I would have played it. But I also know who they hired as their defensive coordinator, and I wasn't surprised when they decided to go that route. Yeah, he can't be a fool. Right, like I, I'm with you. I love 
like I not only I love, but I understand what uh, the the identity is. He's not going to sit and just wait. He's not going to do it right. And and even with Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Melvin Ingram up front, he is not going to sit there and wait. He is going to make you make quick decisions, and I get that. But it's got to make sense, dog. It's got to make sense. And you just watch Jamar Chase prove to you time and time again that if he is allowed to be in single coverage with any of these jokers, especially Charverius Ward, who we repeatedly beat him in those positions, that there is a chance you made it easy for Joe Burrow. And it's the time and the situation. It is third down and 27. You're in a tie ball game. Hell, don't act like Elvis Gerbeck's your quarterback. Don't act like Steve Bono's your quarterback. Don't act like Alex Smith is your quarterback. Don't act like that. You got Patrick Mahomes, the second best quarterback in the game. Don't act like a three-point lead with over four minutes and two timeouts is something insurmountable. Like, I got to hold him to a field goal here. I got No, you did not have to. You could have gave up 12 yards and let's rock and roll. You could have gave up 10, 15, let's rock and roll. But instead, you you operated as if you have some kind of offense that can't afford to be down by three points with over four minutes left. That was ridiculous, and it was stupid. I understand your identity, and I like it. I like the aggressive identity, but it's got to make sense. If you got beat on third and six like you acted like it was, hey, piece of cake. Hell, Chris Jones just got a sack a couple plays before. He had just beaten. You get beat on third and six like that, I'm sitting in the house. Bam. Got it. Well, I I appreciate Spags. I, I don't. As a defensive coordinator. And so, like, the third and 27, I I, I think that's inexcusable. I, I don't know why you play it like that, but that that is who he is, right? But I, I don't have a problem with him wanting to blitz and, and get after Burrow. I, I, I have a problem with him just not really adjusting the coverage throughout the game. Like, I think you can go after Burrow and you can still do that and give help on Jamar Chase, which is something they just didn't really do. And that's something that he's got to adjust because I want him to put pressure on the quarterback. I think he also severely underestimated like how much pressure Joe Burrow has been under this season because Joe Burrow's getting sacked. Joe Burrow does not care about getting sacked. He's still going to go out there and try to throw it all over the place. And so I think they thought, well, we're going to get him. We're going to we're going to sack him. We're going to put pressure on him and, and make him fold like a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL do. But Joe Burrow doesn't give a damn. And so he said, OK, keep putting pressure on me. I, I'm going to find ways to burn you. And that's exactly what he did. I also think we I don't know about us, but because we last week we said like, hey, the guy that you got to worry about, there are two of them. It's it's T Higgins and it's Jamar Chase going up over the top. And guess what happened? It was Jamar Chase going up over the top. I think the Chiefs underestimated just how good Jamar Chase is. Like that that dude is an alien. And if he wanted to make the case, he at one is... point at one point, BK, there was a point there in that fourth quarter where they had to stop underestimating it because he kept putting touchdowns on their heads. And around the third and twenty-seven, they had they had had ample examples of he could beat Charverius Ward by himself. They had ample examples of, hey, let's not give Joe Burrow anything to read and let him know pre-snap exactly where he needs to go on third and 27. Like it had been proven by that time. You kiss my ass, Spags. That's not an excuse. You know, you maybe maybe in the first quarter, but after he ripped off that 72-yard touchdown run and ran through the entire secondary, at that point, we got to adjust. Yeah, I, I want to just get into the the bigger picture here, and and I think that as you mentioned early in the interview, it, it's seeming like it is going to be Vic Fangio's last game. They have Teddy Bridgewater that is on IR now, so Drew Locke, the Mizzou native and the Mizzou grad, is is going to start in this game. Is there a sense for you, uh, someone who's very much in the know when it comes to the Broncos, that this is an end of an era type of game when it comes to? likely the head coach and the quarterback do you believe this is the final game for that and the Broncos would look really different in 2022 yeah I suppose um I haven't thought of it that way but I okay. per- perhaps I should 
uh, it's not much of an era to remember. Usually the right. end of an era, you know, it's uh, kind of a forgettable era as the, um, as the Vance Joseph was one before that and all the quarterbacks he went through, uh, Gary Kubiak had the Super Bowl, then got sick. And that kind of started the spiral really, uh, what started the spiral was, uh, was that game at, uh, it was called sports authority field. Both the chiefs and the Broncos were seven and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, going into game 11 um, in the 2016 season. And the Broncos were ahead in that game, 24 to 16. Uh, Simeon threw a long pass, catch and run to Benny Fowler, and it looked great for the Broncos, 24-16 with about two and a half minutes to go. And Alex Smith drove him down. And on, uh, I think it was fourth and eleven. At about the uh, at about the 16, 17 yard line, uh, Smith hit Tyree Kill right in front of Bradley Roby, who gave 11 yards of cushion, and uh, <laughs> they got the first down. They went in and scored. They got the two point conversion. Uh, McManus uh, badly missed an overtime kick. I think it was 57 yards, mm-hmm. and then the Chiefs wound up kicking a field goal with a good field position. And that was the uh, line of demarcation for both franchises. The Chiefs took off, and the uh, and the Broncos sank uh, from that game on. So uh, uh, that's been, you know, it, it hasn't been so much the end of an era with Fangio, who still has a chance of coming back. By the way, right? Uh, I'm not sure how big a chance, but a chance of coming back with. Uh, with changes in the offensive staff and special team staff. Um, but uh, the, uh, you know, it's just been a sad six years here yeah. for the Broncos. They, they're on top for so long or competing for so long, 35 years under the Pat Bolin era. And uh, the first five years under the Joe Ellis and John Elway era, but these last six years, just uh, it has not gone well. Uh, they haven't, I don't know about the right coach, but they haven't had the right quarterback. I thought Teddy acquitted himself well this year. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he's not the type of guy that's going to hold up through a 17 game season. So, like, um, yeah, from afar in Kansas City, it, it really looks like the team is committing to a lot of the skill guys and the defense, you know, to some extent, especially with that Sertan piece, is, is, is there. Is this, a a team that you expect again we, we don't know about the coach we expect Fangio to maybe be gone probably be gone we don't know for sure but do you expect this team to go after a Aaron Rodgers and a Russ Wilson and and pursue them sorry Have I had a call there oh you're okay do you expect uh the the Broncos to pursue an Aaron Rodgers or a, a Russ Wilson heavily in, in this offseason I do I think that's the way to go you know Kenny Pickett Matt Corral I don't think that's the way to go for the Broncos. They otherwise have a lot of veteran uh, talent. You know, they they signed uh, Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, and they have Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler uh, through the second year. Uh, Noah Fant, first-round tight end. Albert O, uh, you know, a tight end from Missouri. Uh, they kind of like the pieces. Javante Williams had a nice rookie year at running back until the last couple of years. I think there's a feeling they're a quarterback away from being a contender. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got to get a good quarterback, though, because there's three really good ones. There's a great one in Mahomes. There's a uh, potentially uh, great one in Herbert. I don't think he's great yet. Um, I think he's good. Uh, Derek Carr, I think, is good. Um, and he's at. I think he's at his peak performance. But uh, the Broncos have had the fourth-best quarterback in the division, uh, for the last six, seven years, uh, really going back to 2014, uh, you know, they weren't very good with Peyton's last year. Uh, they right. won that year on defense, but, uh, so they got to get a quarterback and Rogers, uh, yes. Uh, you know, you hear of, um, Russell Wilson, he's probably right now. It looks like Wilson's going to leave before Rogers does. Um, Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins are a couple others mm-hmm. uh, that uh, might become available. I think they're in the final years of their contract. So, yeah, I think the Broncos make a move that way uh, versus the draft. 
Just to wrap us up here from a Broncos perspective, just getting back to the game, how do you see this game going? And then from a a Broncos perspective and a Broncos fan perspective, what are are the fans maybe watching for in this game on Saturday? How hard they play, how inspired they play, you know, as far as Fangio goes. Um, I think the Bronco, I think there's a, there's one scenario that would work for the Broncos and that is they would play loose and the chiefs would play not to get hurt. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, knowing, I know they got the number one seed, but they also know that Tennessee is going to be Houston. It's Houston, right? That they have. Um, yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's not much chance of Houston knocking it off. So, uh, you know, I think there's a chance the chiefs have one foot in on the game and one foot out. Um, the Broncos play loose. I've seen these el- eliminated teams beat playoff teams in the final games before. Yep. It's happened to the Broncos back in 2006. <laughs> yeah. It happened to the yeah. Broncos against the 49ers. And so, uh, you know, and then the other thing that happens here, uh, Pete, is that, uh, you know, they, they're going to keep score, you know. And, and what happens is, you know, like if you're in the backyard playing against your brother in hoops, uh, that game doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of life except it means a lot to you and your brother. And uh, <laughs> right. So if they keep score and the Broncos are leading early or it's competitive early, I think they'll play hard the, the whole game. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos, you know, only lose uh, mm. 24 to 20, you know, uh, and, and they, and they, it, it's one of those games where they cover the spread. I don't think they'll win. It's hard to believe that they'll win this game. But I, I can see how uh, through funny uh, uh, twists and turns and, and just hanging around that they'll, uh, that they'll be competitive. Because one thing they have done for Fangio throughout the three years, it, they've always played hard. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.